fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Wolfpack, what is going on? It is the Wolf of Roto Street of rotostreetjournal.com where we breed and feed fantasy wolves. And of course, if you're listening to the podcast, the Fantasy Fullback Dive, where we pave your path to 2019 titles, you can always catch us live on Facebook right around 7 o'clock. Lately, it's been a little bit later. School's been crazy. But we are live now to answer any questions you have while also recapping a crazy week six. We're going to get into all the risers, fallers, the waiver wire penny stocks to check for, and of course, a few injuries that we need to cover today. So we'll dive right in, get to all your questions and all the news and notes you've got to know. But I just want to remind you all that there's only going to be six per each category here. And if you want all the deep analysis on you know 20 plus more stories, make sure you check out rotostreetjournal.com slash stockwatch or download our Roto Street Journal app, which is fantastic. Just want to also shout out Old Planners yesterday. Fantastic live events. I see Tunenberg's in the broadcast here. He was a, a loyal, you know, the first fan to show up, so I appreciate that. Tunes enjoyed the uh, present you left me after the show, too. It was fantastic. It was on a cloud the rest of the day. Uh, but everything was a great success, and we're probably going to do that, if not in a week or two, you know, by November 11th is the, the next date we have fully locked in. So thanks again for everyone that came out. Great success. We're definitely going to be doing it again. Uh, thanks again to Old Plans for hosting. But let's get to the fantasy football stuff that you guys want to learn about, want to hear about, starting with our risers. What's up, Giuseppe? What's up, Corey? What's up, Sal? Uh, thank you guys for coming in, as you always do every Monday. I appreciate it. We'll get to all those questions in a sec. But let's start with our risers. And right at the top of the list, an important one to know, probably the most important, would be Hunter Henry, just because of how thin and decimated tight end is, and that's even more so with Will Disley going down, as we're going to talk about later. But Henry, Sunday night football, expected to be limited, expected to play only a few snaps, goes and gets nine targets, hauls in eight of them for 100 yards, and not one, but two scores, right back to Phillip Rivers, number one guy in the red zone, just as tight ends always have been. Remember, 44% of red zone targets over the last couple years have gone to tight ends from Phillip Rivers, by far the most in the NFL. And Hunter Henry looked like he was ready to go uh, and fully healthy and right back to that monstrous red zone role. So with Keenan Allen starting to struggle a little bit with, you know, Mike Williams drawing some attention, Hunter Henry could be in line to be that clear-cut number two guy the rest of the season for this offense. And he looked absolutely fantastic while doing it. So you've got to feel great about him. I have him at number six for tight end moving forward. He rose 38 spots overall on the big board. A huge fan of this guy moving forward. I've always been a huge Hunter Henry fan. Uh, the talent is there. Now Antonio Gates is finally gone, and I think we could see a great second half of the season for this guy. Uh, next after that, I mean, you got to feel great about Tyreek Hill in return. If you own this guy, you've been sitting on him and waiting for him, you got everything you wanted to see there. Five catches on 10 targets, a team high, 10 looks, 80 yards, and two scores. And this was 
only playing 28 of 55 total snaps, right around 50% of the snap share, and he still goes out and gets over 25 fantasy points. That's just how explosive he is. If anybody was watching that game, you saw that highlight catch where he leaps over two guys. And this is six-foot Tyree Kill, not, you know, six-foot-five making body plays. He goes up over two defenders and then bodies them up and, you know, buries them to go into the end zone. It was a very encouraging position to see. I mean, you got to be thrilled. He goes right up to my number three wide receiver for the rest of the season. Behind right now, only Mike Thomas and Chris Godwin. And in all honesty, if you had him above those two guys, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, give you too much stink. This guy's catching balls from the best quarterback in the league. He clearly was fully healthy. He's just as explosive and dangerous as we remember. And he's doing this on only half the snaps this week. What is he going to do when he gets a full smattering moving forward? So got to feel great about Tyreek Hill. Uh, and we'll talk about some fallers later. The rest of those wide receivers clearly taking that back seat with the most explosive threat in the league back on the most explosive offense in the league. It's a no-brainer. The guy's going to be a weekly beast. Another team that really rose to the ranks, and we've been telling you guys to buy low on them. Uh, hopefully you took the advice now. I still think you can get in lower than what their prices are going to be in you know come five more weeks after they pass. That's the Jets offense. They looked absolutely fantastic this week. Uh, everybody involved there, starting with Sam Darnold. That was the huge key, is Darnold coming back. He looked better than we ever remember, you know. Completes 23 of 32, goes for 338, two scores against the Cowboys, who are giving up just the 26 most points to quarterbacks. So a tough matchup for the guy, and he still comes out and balls out and gets you, you know, 24 points or so. And when you look at the schedule the rest of the way, I just had a tweet about this. If you don't follow me on Twitter, at Roto Street Wolf, I mean, there's two matchups with Miami. We got Washington. We got a pure cakewalk, by far the easiest rest of season schedule among QBs. He gets New England this week, so maybe you stream a guy like Danny Dimes and we seven versus Arizona's pathetic D. But after this matchup, Monday Night Football with New England, the guy's schedule, Sam Darnold, is complete cakewalk. And it made magic, of course. You know, all ships rise with this guy. Robbie Anderson goes five catches, 125 in a TD, just bursting through the field for like a 90-yard touchdown, right back to those big play threats. Huge fan of that. Le'Veon Bell goes 14 carries, 50 yards and a score. Nothing overly explosive, just one catch two. But ultimately, you have to feel so much better that he has someone threatening the defense now with Sam Darnold. Scored 20 points their last time together in week one. I imagine more 20-point days, especially with the schedule softening up, will be coming for Le'Veon Bell. And last but not least, his favorite target here, Jamison Crowder. Nine more targets, gets six catches for 98 yards. Another beastly effort for Crowder. He now has 35% target share in Sam Darnold's games. That's insane. And they're all, him Him and Robbie Anderson were on waivers entering this week. They might still be out there. If so, clean that up immediately. Make sure you add those Jets guys and try to buy low. I know their price is going up after this big effort, but I'm telling you, the schedule is so soft that these guys are going to both, Anderson and Crowder, locked in wide receiver threes the rest of the year. And I think Darnold, especially if you're, you have troubles at QB, could be a low-end number one the rest of the season. I loved what I saw this week from these guys. We're going to get to your question in one sec. We've got a couple more notes here on some risers, but as we're going, as the audience is building, anybody who's willing to share this, it means so much to us. That's how we have this rapid growth so far is people like you willing to share it out. If we've helped you at all and you're willing to you know, give us a hand, we'd love for your, your support here and sharing it out, commenting in on anybody that could come in and, and give us some good interaction. That's why we do the live shows is to get more and more people here and engage with each other, with me. That's why I love this stuff. So if you can share it out, give us a like, give us you know any type of comment comments and questions, it means the world. So thank you guys for all that stuff. 
Let's cover these last two guys, though, before we get into your questions after these. we got Freeman, Russell Wilson, Stephon Diggs to talk about. A few more risers, again, on the website, though, that you need to make sure you check out. But Devonta Freeman, I mean, what is there else to say? I keep wanting to doubt the guy. I've been low on him all year. I don't love the talent necessarily, but the usage and the surrounding talent, the offensive firepower is so high here in Atlanta that you now need to take this guy seriously as an RB1. Uh, Gets 19 carries, goes 88 yards, and then also hauls in two receiving touchdowns as well. Uh, But even more so than just those ridiculous stats going over 25 fantasy points is that he played 48 of 67 snaps. That's 71% as compared to just uh, 21 of those for Ido Smith. I think it's actually 18, uh, so 21% of the snaps. And Ido Smith also moved into kick return duties this game for the first time this year. So to me, that just continues to signal it's more and more and more the Freeman show and so much less about Ido Smith, which is right around 50% early on in the year. Uh, but Freeman definitely has that stranglehold, especially on the pass-catching side of things. And with such a bad defense, they're going to need that pass-catching side more often than not. So Freeman, you know, as much as I don't love what I've seen from him, it's looking like 20 2015 usage all over again and an offense that's putting up even more points than back then you gotta feel okay about rolling Freeman out every week as your RB2 at this point and I did not think I would ever be saying those words at the beginning of this season um, I gotta cover Russell Wilson my good god this guy's blown up I, he did not grade highly out in our fantasy stock formula mostly because of the play calling the scheme it was so run heavy in years prior but yesterday it was just another reminder this defense sucks they are a far cry from what Pete Carroll used to roll out and now that the fact that they're giving up this many points including pathetic teams like the Browns who can't score on anybody uh, putting up you know 30 against this team that means Russell Wilson has to keep playing in from comeback mode or from tight contests and nobody's more dangerous than comeback Russell Wilson there's great stats I forget what exactly it was but Scott Barrett came on our podcast and talked about nobody has more fantasy points per drop back than Russell Wilson he just doesn't drop back much because they always ran the ball but this year he's dropping back far more often forced to throw it you know this game 33 passes that's you know significantly more than almost every single game of last year completes 23 of them for 295 and a pair of touchdowns and then you also get that rushing ability that Konami code we like to call it in fantasy for 32 additional yards and another touchdown there the guy is a beast again because that defense is so bad you're getting comeback Russ every single week at this point he's my number three quarterback behind only Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and him and Lamar Jackson are neck and neck the fact that he needs to be used though Russell Wilson as much as he does means you're going to get fantasy goodness almost every single week. You got to feel great about this guy moving forward. Uh, And and if you drafted him late, congratulations. He's going to be a season changer. Last but not least, the name I wanted to highlight too, not because he actually rose that much on my big board, but I think a lot of people might be rising him in their ranks. That's Stephon Diggs. And it's hard not to have this guy go flying up the boards after an enormous outburst this week. The squeaky wheel finally gets greased. Seven catches on 11 targets, by far uh, the highest he's seen. 167 yards and not one, but two, but three scores this week and it was a great moment I don't know if Mad Money you're tuned in here I know you asked that question at Old Planners I told you the squeaky wheel was going to get greased and right in the middle of his third score he stands up on like the couch he screams squeaky wheel Uh, that's why we do those live shows man it was a a fantastic event and funny moments like that I wish we had it live on camera it was great but he does absolutely dominate over 40 fantasy points on the day and you know at this point what my advice is going to be there sell 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 him as high 
as you can. This is still one of the lowest volume attacks. And could Diggs have a couple more blowups of his sleeve? Of course. He's extremely talented. And when Kirk Cousins is dealing like he did this week, he's always going to blow up. But I called this week that Kirk Cousins was going to just continue to bomb because the only way to attack the Eagles is through the air. Their run D is so stifling. It's just one of those clear-cut matchups. And they, of course, can keep the game tight so that you have to keep the air under the ball. That's not going to be the case most weeks. Most weeks it's going to be run all day, all night uh, type of game script. So ultimately, you got to sell high while Kirk Cousins was as hot as he was, while the game script was as favorable as it was, because it's not going to be like this every single week. And I don't think Diggs' value is going to get any higher than it looks right now. So if anyone out there considers this a, you know, a consistency thing that's going to actually continue to play out, prey upon them right now. Sell Diggs as fast as you can. Um, definitely a little bit more considerable in lineups from now on, but still, you can't feel great about him. Let's move into some of your questions, guys. Corey Wilkes asking, should I trade Josh Jacobs for Kenny Galladay and Pats D? That depends on your running back depth. As always with trade questions, it's tough to judge without knowing your, your entire roster. But I wouldn't hate that move just because the Pats D has been a game changer. They're like the third, I think, out of any position in fantasy points. They've been dominating week in and week out. And sure, part of that is one of the easiest schedules you could ever imagine for a team defense. But they also have a pretty cake schedule moving forward too. Sure, a couple tough matchups with the Chiefs and maybe the Cowboys. Who knows what that offense is going to look like in a couple weeks. But ultimately... I mean, that defense is so good, and you can just have that locked-in security of, I don't need to ever consider you know going into the waiver wire, any of that stuff. It's nice to have those Ds, and only the Pats in Chicago really represent that this year. Galladay's also a great option as well. He's had so many blow-ups already this year that you know you never know exactly with that offense because it's been so low volume. And I really do love Josh Jacobs, especially coming off 26 touches. So I'm not in a rush to move him. And if your running back depth does not support the move, I wouldn't do it. So it really depends on your depth there, Corey. But in a vacuum, I think I like that deal just because of how dominant that Pats D has been. I don't see it changing much either. Giuseppe, my guy, good to see you. Thanks for tuning in as always. Need Aaron Jones to get under 12 points to win, Taylor? That's not a great spot to be in, my friend. Uh, Aaron Jones, obviously, last week with 40 points. Uh, you got to feel like against a, a bad Lions team, they're giving up the fifth most points, I want to say, to running backs right now. Ultimately, that's not a great script for you. But could it happen? Fantasy's always crazy like that. You never know. Uh, but ultimately, I don't love your shot, Taylor. Sorry, I wish I could endorse that one more. Sal, got to start Robbie Anderson over Josh Gordon. Killed me what you think. Uh, I think definitely moving forward. Josh Gordon's significantly lower on my rest of season big board, Sal, than Robbie Anderson, especially now with Darnold back, them reigniting that deep ball chemistry this week. I don't think it's a one-week flash in the pan or anything. I think this is going to be steady the rest of the year, both him and Crowder. I have locked in my lamps. And Gordon, like, how could you keep going back to this guy? He's only disappointed you week in and week out. It's such an overrated fantasy name at this point. I hate to say it as a Patriots fan, but what has Josh Gordon shown and since 2013, I mean, seriously, six years ago was the last time this guy did actually anything meaningful on a football field. I can't keep buying into the hype about what he could be. It's, it's done. He hasn't done it. I'm not buying into him anymore. Uh, Giuseppe Russo got offered this PPR. My Ingram, Edelman, and Hyde, who is my RB2 for Kelsey, Brandon Cooks, and Eckler. I, I mean, 
No, I don't think I do that because Ingram and Kelsey aren't too far apart. I mean, Kelsey at this point, and this is a question I have coming up in one of my stock watches. Is Kelsey overrated in fantasy? He's just not getting it done. And I know he's due for some positive TD regression. I, I don't doubt that at all. But I like Ingram moving forward. That gap's not too big. To me, the biggest gap here is Edelman and Brandon Cooks. Uh, Edelman's significantly higher than Brandon Cooks. And we're going to get to Fallers in a second. So I'll pull up that menu so you just so you can see it. Uh, Rams offense is one of the biggest fallers of the week. Goff throwing for a measly, pathetic, hideous, disgusting, insert awful adjective here, 78 yards. Are you fucking kidding me, Jared Goff? I get the 49ers defense has taken some massive steps forward, but that still is abysmal. Wonderkin, Sean McVay. What the fuck is going on with that offense? I'll tell you one thing. The offensive line is atrocious. That D-line dominated them all day. As I predicted, CJ didn't like that one. I said this D-line is going to destroy this offensive line, and they did. They were He was under fire all day, but that's not going to change much. That offensive line is going to remain god-awful, which is going to make Cooks uh, you know Robert Woods and you know Cooper Cup. I think is going to be steady all year. He's had that. Mo- he's led the team in targets almost every single week. He's the safest of them. But other than that, it's going to be very volatile. Whereas Edelman, the clear engine of the Patriots' attack, and then Hyde. Uh, if I had one more space for a riser on my my list, there, Carlos Hyde would have been it. He actually was the highest pure riser on the big board. Rose up 44 spots overall, up to right in the 60. You know, round five or so pick. The guy has been. You know, he's disgusting. I don't like the talent at all, but you're looking at 15 to 20 touches every single week and what, a top six offense in the in the league? The line's not great, but that heavy type of volume and one of the better offenses in the league, you have to feel okay about. So I don't think Hyde is, you know, someone you try to sell high or anything like that. He fumbled this week. They still go back to him. As maddeningly as it is, they're not using Duke Johnson. He's going to be the last guy we talk about, uh, but ultimately Hyde is that centerpiece at this point. Uh, and so I don't see you really winning other than Kelsey and Ingram and the edges at the other positions just don't make sense to me. Not a big fan, Giuseppe, of that trade. Uh, Patrick James asking, trade Tyrell Williams for Robbie Anderson? I think I'd hang on to Tyrell just because he's more so that clear number one, and especially if you have Anderson already, as you, I mean, uh, Crowder already, as you say. I don't need both Jets guys. I think both are going to have their solid weeks, but Tyrell Williams does have that number one status with Oakland. I don't think I'd be trading uh, him away for Robbie Anderson, who's going to be more so like 1A, 1B with Jamison Crowder each and every week. Uh, But we are talking about the Rams, though. Again, inconsistency of Goff, that offensive line getting dominated. It's just going to make for tough, consistent, you know, obviously the matchups when they're right, like next week against Atlanta, you're going to use these guys and they're going to be fantastic. But in tougher games, like against the 49ers and some of these tougher defenses in the league that can really dominate this deal, uh, this offensive line, you have to be much more nervous about Goff and all these weapons moving forward outside of maybe Cooper Cup. The run game even, you know, completely stalled out. Keenan Allen, another guy that has to fall on a season-long big boards, his third straight week without reaching 50 yards, without finding the end zone, aka without doing anything in fantasy. I get the guy has earned your trust and should be locked into your lineups. I'm not going to be benching Keenan Allen, but no longer can you really consider him that clear-cut number one style weapon that he was coming into the year. Now you got Hunter Henry coming back to eat some targets. Mike Williams has been looking good. Austin Eckler's feasting underneath on looks. Ultimately, uh, Keenan Allen, just three straight duds. And yeah, he's going to positively regress. I probably would recommend to buy low on him. It seems like every season he finishes stronger than anybody else. He always ends up being that number like one or two wide receiver for the last few weeks. 
But that has definitely be you know got to be a little concerned with three straight duds. You can no longer rank him alongside the Cooper Cups, the Mike Thomases, the Tyree Kills. Now he's definitely at least a tier or two below these guys, and more so a wide receiver two, in my opinion, than a wide receiver one. And speaking of Chargers who are falling, that backfield is a nightmare. Whereas it went from you know Melvin Gordon being that every down, three down workhorse in a powerful, potent offense that was just scoring touchdown every week, was catching five balls every week, was ripping it up for 90 to 100 total yards, top five overall style guy. It is a committee. It's maddening. You don't know. Whereas before even, it was consistent that Eckler was going to be that pass-catching guy, and you knew you had some PPR upside. Gordon might be the the touchdown guy just as early as two weeks ago. Now it's like, who's in on third down? They split those third down snaps. Who's in at the goal line? They're splitting that. It's just a all-over-the-place type of nightmare, and this offense does not look nearly as good as we've seen in the past. It's maddeningly inconsistent right now. So ultimately, these two backs is just like, I don't know how often you can use them if it's not going to shake out and get some clarity. Now, of the two, of course, Melvin Gordon has that workhorse history, that workhorse past, and I'd feel better about owning him moving forward. Maybe you buy low and throw out some nibbles and see if you can get him there. But ultimately, that's going to be tough to trust either of these guys if it remains this weird committee with clear, you know, unclear roles. It's just maddening right now. Uh, neither one has been worth starting in fantasy other than Eckler a couple of weeks ago with those 15 catches. But since Gordon's return, it has been a tough to tough thing to project, and I don't know if I see it getting any clearer bar maybe Gordon just taking over as he used to. I don't know if I see that happening, though. Uh, let's get to Juju. I mean, third-string quarterback, obviously it was easy to sit the guy, and hopefully you did, but at this point, name value is really all we're going on with Juju Smith-Schuster. He has one good game with Mason Rudolph under his belt out of three potential performances. Clearly not an effective game here with the duck at the, the QB helm. So Juju, you know, with this quarterback carousel from hell without his guy, uh, Big Ben there, has taken massive steps back. The talent's still there. He's getting open, but the ball is sailing over his head. This has become a much more formulated check down, check down, check down. At this point, there's really only one person that you can trust in this offense, and that's James Conner, who would have made the riser list if I had more spots. He's actually up to number 11 on my big board at this point. Overall, that is, too, uh, because he's been just a complete engine, getting all the dump-offs. They're clearly designing the offense to be as high percentage, low risk, low reward, but just dink, 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 up and down the field. That's clearly led to James Conner becoming an absolute workhorse. I think 78 yards receiving, uh, clearly the team high this week, um, and just right around 150 you know, total yards, what was it, 121 total yards. So the guy, t- two scores as well, was just a beast, James Conner was, whereas everyone in the passing game, you'd cut Vance McDonald, done with that guy, completely useless. No need to stash Deonta Johnson, like what's the point of him? You're never going to be able to predict it. And Juju at this point, you know, I know a lot of you guys wanted to sell high, and I was fully aboard because he had some name value. At this point, your window might have closed. Hopefully not, uh, but I'm not trying to buy this guy, no matter how low the value is right now. It's been ugly. It's been tough. Uh, and Juju Smith-Schuster has to take a major hit. Two more quick notes, and then back to your questions before we get to the waiver wire. Uh, Chiefs running backs, what a carousel from hell that has become. 
each and every week, it's just like, who the hell am I going to use? Now, again, Damian Williams has been the snap leader most weeks. Again, right around 58% of the snaps this week, but outcarried by every single person there, uh, which was just a nightmare situation. Uh, not not Daryl Williams, but Daryl Williams, the yards gainer, just because he caught one 52-yard bomb. LaShawn McCoy leads the team with eight carries and 44 yards, but even that's just like gross. None of them finding the end zone this week. Williams having a laughable under two yards per carry, one point nine six right now. And it's just one of those things where it used to be Andy Reid running backs were pure, utter workhorses in every sense. Only one guy getting the carries, one guy getting heavy receiving usage. And now it's a three-headed nightmare. And no matter how explosive this offense is, if it's going to be divided between three mouths, you can't really rely on that at all. So ultimately, all three guys have fallen out of startable territory, in my opinion. Uh, hopefully, one gets removed at some point, whether it's trade. I mean, I don't, you'd never wish for injuries. But in terms of fantasy value, unless one of these guys gets removed, I don't think any of them are going to be you know reliable other than bi-week desperation plugins. Maybe McCoy, the guy that had the highest of them. But I, I don't love any of them at all at this point. I don't love the receivers either with Tyree Kill coming back. None of those three wide receivers did anything. Demarcus Robinson, McCole Hardman, or Byron Pringle. I mean, you stash my guess, but is it really worth a roster spot? I don't know. Not, not really in my opinion. And then Duke Johnson, last but not least, I just wanted to put him on here to own one of our worst predictions of the year. We called Duke Johnson a round five season winner. The talent has still been there, and that's why we loved it. His pass catching abilities. I mean, he's leading the NFL right now in yards per touch at over seven. Every time he touches the ball, he's making explosive things happen. And yet Carlos Hyde continues to dominate the touches each and every week inexplicably. I don't get it. I don't know why Bill O'Brien can't recognize how much more explosive Duke Johnson is or how much more dangerous he makes this entire offense, but clearly he's not. And I cannot mind-numbingly endorse the guy just because of what should happen. Clearly Bill O'Brien, is it's not going to happen under him. So at this point, you can't have Duke Johnson in lineups. I don't know if I cut him yet just because we've seen Hyde fumble a bit. And I know they've gone back to him despite the fumbles, but at a certain point, if it costs them a week, I could see Hyde finding the pine for that. Or, you know, he's had injury problems in his past too, but ultimately, you know, you can't feel great about Duke Johnson. He definitely cannot be in your starting lineups. Uh, tough, tough stuff there. Um, what else do we have here? Taylor Malone asking, "Is what's up, Taylor? Emmanuel Sanders droppable for Robbie Anderson? Yes, I would do that at this point, especially without knowing... Um, you know, what the extent of Sanders' injury is or how long he could be knocked out for. I definitely would rather have my, my chips in on a Darnold-led offense than a Flacco-led offense, for sure. Got to sleep for double shift tonight and tomorrow, Wolfman, but I'll watch this later. I need Everett or Hawkinson at T-E-P-P-R. Everett blew up and then gave me my first loss of the year last week. And that's another mind-numbing part of the, the Rams' offense is, he was running wide open, Nick. I don't know if you saw it, but ultimately was streaking down the field. Could have been a 50-plus yard bomb if Jared Goff had any type of talent inside that arm, which at this point, I don't know that he does. So that was mind-numbing. Rest of season, I think I lean Hawkinson, but maybe I'm just tainted as a, a Gerald Everett owner in nearly every league watching him get 1.9. I'm, I'm furious with the guy, so my opinion might be biased. I like holding on to him both, but ultimately let me know who you'd have to cut to do so, because tight 
is just so thin and awful. If you have two options that you can maybe play the matchups with, I mean, Everett was facing the hardest team against tight ends in the 49ers, so that could have been part of it. I like to keep both of them. I saw a great stat on Everett today as well about how he leads the league in uh, the most broken tackles per his position. It's not really even close, and this was a calling card of his in college as well. So ultimately, the talent's there. He's been performing when he gets the chance, and I do think he'll continue to get those chances for sure. Uh, But ultimately, yeah, you got to feel a little bit more nervous about that. Sal, replying to Giuseppe, I'd keep what you got, dude. Edelman eats, yeah. So I, I'm with you, Sal. And I love that you guys, This is, again, I say it every time I see it, but when you guys comment on each other's posts and kind of get that community-style commentary going, it just makes me that much happier while I'm doing these things. That's what we're trying to build here is a wolf pack that supports each other, comments on each other's stuff and questions. That's why we do the live broadcasts for not just my opinion, but everybody else's out there. So thank you, Sal, for doing that. And I encourage everybody else out there to keep doing that. Tunes say what's up Kevin thanks for coming into the show I appreciate it Fitz uh Kyle asking with Disley going down I have Hawkinson at tight end am I okay or should I look into someone like Cook Cook actually has a few great matchups coming up I think this week is tough but then he goes to Tampa Bay I know he has Arizona on the schedule in the near future so I'd look to have both of these guys again like I was recommending to Nick having two tight ends that you can play matchups and kind of hope for the best is unless you own a, a Waller a Kittle um obviously a Kelsey there's like six guys that you can really have locked in every week Hunter Henry at this point but other than those six it's nice to have a couple options I'm looking to maybe add Herndon again I know he's sickening and you know injuring himself on running routes alone like what the fuck is wrong with you dude that was the most infuriating report I've been stashing him for four weeks cutting guys left and right just so I could keep Herndon only for him to injure himself on his own what an absolute motherfucker uh but but still the tight end's that bad that I can say all these horrible things about wanting to murder him, and I would still might add him and stream him uh, because the talent's there and Sam Darnold looks as good as he does. Are we Cortland Sutter believers? Asks Corey. Oh, sell high on Cup. Didn't mean to miss that one. I don't think so, Pat. I know that offense. I just shit on them and said how bad they are. But Cooper Cup's been that one shining moment. In fact, after this dud week, I would be trying to buy low on the guy. Has Atlanta coming up? He's going to destroy these guys. Somebody asking trade advice earlier. You know, which wide receiver should I target in win now mode? That schedule is softening up. I do think you know, that that was a worst possible type of effort. You're not going to get lower than that on Cup. Uh, and so if his owners trying to you know get get rid of him at this point I would be a buyer on cup definitely not a seller I think that that offense is going to pick it back up at least somewhat um, especially cup of all the pieces there he's seen you know double digit targets nearly every week uh, court and Sutton believers are we asks Corey I am. I mean, how could we not? I had him in the risers list as well. He'll be, a, if you're watching our stock watch, uh, if you're tracking the app, he will be in there as a riser. Not a huge week, you know, 70 yards on, what, four catches or so, but remains that number one option. Now Sanders gets hurt. And whereas last year, that would have killed the guy because once he got number one coverage, he got erased. This year, he seems to have those physical skills, the physicality at the, the jump point, which is his calling card, just a big body. He's finally using that to his best asset. You know, he's definitely taken that next step, I think, as a player, which makes me more confident with Sanders out of the lineup. It just means even more domination for the guy instead of the adverse effect we saw last year. So yeah, I'm a Sutton believer, and we know Flacco loves the guy. I definitely see him continuing it up, and now he's got the Chiefs coming up, as we see here from Robert saying, uh, yeah, what a matchup. Could you ask for a better matchup? 
than the Chiefs. Pathetic secondary. That it's going to be a shootout, you know, as much as Denver can handle a shootout. And that means they're going to be leaning on Cortland Sutton. So definitely this week. Robert Reno just unloaded Damian Williams for him. Don't worry. I have DJ Chubb, Carson Montgomery. Oh, yeah. With those type of running back. I mean, I have Sutton significantly higher, Corey, on my rest of season big board uh, than Damian Williams. And then when you have that level of depth of the position, it makes even more sense. So I think it's a great trade. Well done. Uh, let's get into our waiver wire check. First guy, and I didn't realize how widely available this guy was until someone in my league dropped him. That's Alex Madison, uh, the, the backup for um, Dalvin Cook. In my opinion, the ultimate handcuff with benefits. This week alone, just kind of flashing that maybe you can use him in the right type of matchups. Gets 14 carries for 63 yards. That's only two fewer than Dalvin Cook. This is a sneaky closer to a committee that a lot of people are recognizing. So in a flex pinch on your bye weeks right now, uh, he got 63 yards against one of the toughest run Ds in the league, Alex Madison did. But then of course, what you all probably or hopefully understand is if anything happens to Dalvin and back-to-back years, season-ending injury. I mean, the guy has been a walking hospital bed at this point. If anything happens to him, this zone-blocking scheme of Gary Kubiak's has been nothing short of brilliant. And I know Dalvin Cook is a a special elite talent that's using that zone-blocking scheme to perfection, but so many no-names from Orlando's Gary to Mike Anderson to Steve Slayton have run for 1,300 yards and 12-plus touchdowns in this offense. So if Cook goes down, and again, the guy's been a monster. He's one of those special, like Arian Foster levels. We talked about this at the beginning of the season when special talents go there. Terrell Davis, Clinton Portis, they go for 2K and 20 touchdowns. And Dalvin Cook is on pace to kind of approach those totals, which is just insanity. But ultimately, even if he went down and Alex Madison was the starter, he'd be a high-end weekly RB1 just because of the scheme, the blocking around him, the high usage in this run-heavy offense. Alex Madison is the ultimate handcuff with benefits. He's only 22% owned right now. So if he's out there in your league, there's not a higher upside stash. He's the type of guy, if Cook went down, it'd be everyone blowing 100% of their waiver wire load. So just sit on him, have him on your bench. Uh, Definitely a guy I would be adding at all costs at this point before that, that type of devastating injury happens. Another guy out there, Auden Tate for the Bengals. She's 12 targets this week. He's 23% owned. Uh, anybody seeing 12 targets should be a lot higher than 23% owned. He only converts them into five catches for 91 yards against the Ravens. But right now we're seeing you know, Tyler Boyd draw number one coverage. And Andy Dalton's now relying on Auden Tate to beat those number twos. And he has been routinely a big body, six foot five, solid red zone frame there. Now, obviously, A.J. Green's status is going to determine a lot about Auden Tate's usability moving forward. But we don't don't know yet. He got limited practices in last year. Hell, he could be traded if they were you know, had any brain. They'd trade him before he just walks away next year. Ultimately, Auden Tate at 23% owned when you're desperate for bi-week villains and a soft slate of games coming up for this guy has to be on your wide receiver radar if, you, uh, if you're low um, at the position right now. And there's tons of quality wide receivers on bye next week. On Tate could be that answer to your prayers. Another wide receiver you could potentially stash is Randall Cobb in case um, Amari Cooper ends up missing time. A surprising start this week for Mark Walton. Who? What's this creature? 
Not really too sure on him, but I know he's from the Bengals. He had a versatile skill set and some decent, you know, every down style talent. Didn't really jump off the page in any facet last year, but kind of did it all decently. And we saw that with the Dolphins yesterday. Six carries uh, for 32 yards, another five catches for 43. So approaching 100 total yards, a versatile role, the starting role there. What if Kenyon Drake gets moved? This guy's clearly surpassed uh, Kalen Balaj. So Mark Walton, the guy, only 4% owned could be the highest you know, type of added guy this week. Now, of course, you know on the Dolphins, you don't want to go all in and blow all your money on a guy that's going to be this pathetic of an offense, but the guy is getting touches, the guy is getting starts, and any type of starting running back has to be noted, and again, that volume could get even higher if Drake is moved uh, or he gets hurt, because Kalen Balaj at this point is a complete afterthought. So take a look at Mark Walton if you're desperate at running back or you need a flex. The volume should be there about 10 touches or so a week. You can maybe expect for this guy. Now, if you're looking more for a stash, I'd much rather own a guy like Daryl Henderson. Didn't do a whole ton, but we finally saw the guy, at least. At least we know he's alive and kicking. Thanks, Daryl, for showing up. Uh, six carries for 39 yards, though, in the first two. You know, rips him off with 22-yarder for his first carry. Uh, gets another 10-plus yards on his next one. Uh, ultimately, a nice yards per clip there, and uh, in, in does have tons of receiving upside, too. Now, remember, this guy in college ripped over 10 yards per carry in zone-blocking designed runs. Memphis was very zone heavy, and then he goes into the, the team that ran more zone schemes than anybody else. And this week, you know, entering the week, Sean McVay said there's going to be a point this year where we lean on Daryl Henderson. It could be as early as this week. Now, it wasn't this week. He only got six touches, but ultimately, we know he's still in Sean McVay's radar. I don't know how much I trust about what McVay says. He seems to lie about every fucking thing at this point, but the talent, the little flashes were there that I think it's still worth a stash because Malcolm Brown really floundered in his first starting opportunity. Todd Gurley's expected back, but I mean, you can't feel great about his health moving forward. I wouldn't be shocked to see Henderson make a real impact at a certain point this year. So if you have the room to stash somebody, he's the type of upside play that could be a season winner down the stretch. I'd rather have Madison, who we already talked about, but look for Henderson uh, if he's out there as a guy to stash and see. Another potential handcuff, another stash would be Benny Snell. Now, it sucks because they're on by this week. So now you're stashing a guy that you're waiting for. You know, James Conner gets a week to get healthy, but he got knocked out of the game with a quad injury. It seems like every single week, James Conner is getting knocked out with some sort of ailment. He plays the next week and he plays very well. It's still the James Conner show, but ultimately Snell, as soon as he got knocked out, became that workhorse. 17 carries for 75 yards, hauled in a catch for 14 yards. Nothing special, just like his college tape, but just a bull. Continues to churn forward, falls forward. That offensive line still top six in the league right now. They're paving great paths for James Conner, even with no threat at quarterback. They're still able to open up some massive holes. So if anything happens to Conner, and again, we keep seeing him get dinged up time and time again, Benny Snell with Jalen Samuels banged up for the next month or so is the clear-cut backup, and we know that offense has always relied upon one guy. So Benny Snell, definitely intriguing handcuff stash at this point. And last but not least on this one is Latavius Murray. Now, not nearly as widely available as these other guys. Benny Snell, only 2% owned. Daryl Henderson, 28%. Sorry, I forgot to give you guys those percentages. Latavius Murray's 47% owned, but still, that's under half of leagues right now. And, and Alvin Kamara definitely looked banged up this week. Was not his usual explosive stealth. I would not be shocked to see them rest him for a week or two just to get him back to full speed by the time Drew Brees is coming back for a serious stretch run push. Now, that can mean Latavius Murray gets workhorse 
workhorse duties. This offensive line has been great on the run blocking, uh, and Latavius Murray has his best game of the year uh, this week. Nothing again. He had a touchdown call back, so it wasn't anything overly insane, but this offense has always been so running back centric. So if Kamara is rested, and even if not, it seems like Murray might carve out, uh, carve out some standalone value, and ultimately he's such a high upside back with this offense being just as good with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, I mean, not just as good, but still serviceable with Teddy Bridgewater. Murray has to be closer to 100% owned at this point. Let's see other comments, questions we have coming in. Chris Carson's my only good back. I have Damian Williams, Chris Thompson, Duke Johnson, and Ronald Jones opinions. Any running backs to look for? I mean, yeah, Tunes, that sucks. Uh, it's not good. Uh, Carson's been a beast. I'm happy you have him. But yeah, you're you're looking at a kind of rotation of garbage and hoping to play the right matchups at the right time. Uh, I would say you know some of these stashes I'm talking about Madison and hoping for you know again you never want a bad injury to strike anybody. But if it happens, you want to try to plug your bench with these guys who could become RB ones in the right situation. If you're looking for immediate usability tunes, I, I do think you know Mark Walton might be your best bet. In terms of leagues, you can let me know what type of running backs are out there for you. It, d- it depends on every league. Corey asking, you know, is Madison a must-add for non-cook owners? Again, I don't want to call him a must-add, but I think there's very few people that you could stash that have that level of upside, especially with the starter being so injury-prone throughout his career. This gig around Madison is so invaluable if he ends up becoming that lead back that ultimately I would have to own him if he was out there on my waiver wire. You don't maybe you don't feel the same and ultimately if Cook doesn't go down, it's kind of a burnt roster spot. But the fact that he's getting 14 carries and Cook's only getting 16 like tells me this is becoming a, a sneaky little committee and Madison had a couple goal line attempts could be usable on his own, especially in those matchups where the Vikings are, you know, against the Redskins in a couple of weeks, where they're projected to dominate and just, you know, bleed clock late. Madison could easily find the end zone and hit 100 yards in those style matchups. So, yeah, I mean, I really like adding this guy as much as possible. Jordan Wilkins wouldn't be a bad pickup in deeper leagues. I'm almost sure he leads the Colts in red zone carries. It's a nice name to toss out there, especially with Mac consistently getting dinged up here and here and there. Uh, so, ultimately... I think it's a great one, Corey. I think that's, that's nice. I appreciate you taking the time and day doing this. Very informative, and we get one. I, I love, I'm glad that you have that, my man. I'm glad you're getting those wins on Sunday, Corey. I do think it's it's invaluable to have a, a type to reflect on what happened before moving on to the next week. There's not enough live shows that do that, that give you that interaction uh, and can kind of sum up the lessons. So I'm glad you appreciate it because I love doing it, and I, I love having you guys here to interact with me. So it's a win-win for all of us, Corey. I appreciate those kind words, my man. Uh, Pat James saying, I have Kamara. The Lat Murray owner keeps sending me the offer Juju for Murray. Do I take it? As much as I just said sell Juju is for whatever you can get, not for Lat Murray. I mean, yeah, it's valuable to have your handcuff, but it, you know, we've seen a couple of nice games with Rudolph, and maybe those two build some chemistry so that by the end of the season, you're getting that Juju of old. I wouldn't do that. And clearly, if he's sending relentless offers like you, you're saying here, I w- he wants Juju. So I would see, can you get more? Can you have Murray plus someone else, Pat? I would not do Murray for Juju straight up. I would try to get it a, a little bit more, especially it sounds like he wants him as much as he does. Try to try to squeeze a little more value out of him. Uh, we're going to get to injuries, but we've got a couple more questions here. Robert Moreno, I already have Samuels on my IR. Connor can't get seriously injured till he's back. 
Uh, least I have Cook handcuffed with Madison too. You got to have those handcuffs. I, I'm glad you guys are bringing up that point. When these invaluable workhorse roles become open, that's when it doesn't really matter who the talent is. They're going to still just be those low-end RB1s just because of the, the team, the line around them, the usage around them. So guys like, again, Dalvin Cook, the Rams, uh, you know, the Chiefs, if somebody got hurt, could finally take over there. Who knows? Uh, Walton, Snell, and Murray all available. I would prioritize Murray in terms of usability um, just because Kamara could be out. Snell's more of a stash to see what happens. And Walton's getting the touches and getting the starts, but it's such a gross offense. You probably don't want to use him. I don't see you using Walton over, you know, Thompson or Rojo. So ultimately, I'd probably stash Murray out of all those guys. Uh, should I handcuff Chase Edmonds? I'm a David Johnson owner. Absolutely, you should handcuff him. That's another one I should have mentioned there in terms of elite handcuffs. Chase Edmonds is definitely one. He's looked great in his limited touches so far, and that offense is so reliant upon a workhorse, especially in the receiving game. He'd become a candidate for you know five to six catches every week, 12 to 15 carries every week, and we've seen him look very explosive, Chase Edmonds, on his limited work. So I'm a David Johnson owner, and somebody already swiped Chase Edmonds from under my feet. I would love to go back in time and make sure I never let him go. Uh, so, Corey, if he's out there, then yes, go ahead and get it. If I would, if I were you, Johnson's banged up and I'd be worried about his injury history. Yeah, Toons, I, I totally agree with you. Let's get into, and speaking of injuries, let's get to them. Because uh, David Johnson was not actually one of the injured this week. He made through the week, looked like his workhorse usual self. But someone who didn't, and this is very unfortunate, I feel bad for the guy, only 23-year-olds, but has now suffered two what could be career enders at this point. So it's going to be a real tough recovery to come back. That's Will Disley tearing his Achilles, going to be done for the year. Uh, it was clearly taking that next step as a player, despite last year tearing his patella, which is almost impossible to come back from. We don't usually ever see anybody come back at full strength, never mind get better. Disley came back better than ever, uh, was becoming that number one red zone target for Russell Wilson, was a, a great seam stretcher for Russell Wilson. And now, you know, he's done for the year. Prayers out to him. I hope he has a speedy recovery. Uh, and now fantasy owners at the thinnest position are left with even fewer consistent options. So tight end becomes that much more of a shit show without Will Disley out there. In his you know backup situation, Luke Wilson's the only pass catching tight end they have. They traded away Nick Vanette. So because that role has been high volume in the red zone, maybe Wilson moves forward with some you know streamability. Maybe worth a stash if you're really desperate at tight end, just because the tight end's been such a big part of Russell Wilson's red zone success. Look back at Jimmy Graham just a couple years ago, but ultimately Disley's season ender kills anybody that had him. Uh, tight end, you need to make sure you get a backup plan. And Wilson, not sexy by any means, but ultimately worth a stash for desperate owners, maybe paired with a guy like Herndon or something like that. Another injury this week, uh, nothing too, too serious, not season-ending, but definitely of concern. Amari Cooper, uh, given his history, he already had the foot stuff going on this preseason. Now he gets diagnosed with a bruised thigh. Uh, the report said that he was in uh, pretty significant, quote-unquote, pretty significant, whatever that means, pain, leaving uh, the, the game, did not return could be something he plays through. They got a big game against the Eagles this week, and that is a great matchup if he can play. We've seen Cooper dominate the Eagles. We've seen teams all year dominate them. But if he's out, that means Michael Gallup just becomes that clear-cut number one. Ah, maybe it's Randall Cobb. Maybe it's Tavon Austin. Uh, maybe it's Witten who picks up some more slack. Ultimately, you'd have to kind of think about 
what wide receivers you'd look at from the Cowboys if you're desperate at wide receiver. And I am this week. I got Godwin and Samuels on by. So I'm going to be tracking those wide receiver notes very, very carefully for the Cowboys, uh, whether or not Cooper is going to be playing. Because that secondary is so bad for the Eagles, I think there's definitely room for Gallup and also one other to have big blow-up games. So track it, Cooper's you know injury here. If he's going to sit, we have to figure out who's that number two guy going to be. Is Cobb going to come back? Is Tavon Austin going to get elevated after getting 61 yards this week? Definitely must-track material. And last but not least, uh, Manny Sanders. I know we got some, some questions on him. Can I cut him and whatnot? I, most leagues, I probably wouldn't. But if a guy like Robbie Anderson's out there and this is your, your first guy to cut, yeah, I would. He leaves the game with a knee injury. Uh, we've just seen him get banged up time and time again each and every year. Uh, Manny Sanders, you know, who knows exactly what the extent is. We haven't heard anything. It's nothing overly serious from the early projections, but probably going to miss at least a week or two. And who knows how fast he's going to recover, you know, after doing the the Achilles last year. It's just the guy is getting banged up time and time again. Um, as much as I love the player, at this point, you know, could he get traded to another team? I know there's lots of rumors of him getting traded. I don't know what team's going to try to take on damaged goods. So very unfortunate timing. Uh, but Deshaun Hamilton maybe becomes more streamable in his absence. Maybe Noah Fant gets a little more work. But I don't really like anyone other than Cortland Sutton in that pass game. Um, what do we have here? Yeah, I would. Uh, Tunenberg saying, you know, to, to add Chase Edmonds, and I totally agree with that. Ishmael, what's up? Thanks for tuning in. We actually already covered the, the Diggs note, but yes, I said absolutely if some offers come in or you can package Diggs with, you know, a RB2 to get an RB1, by all means, I would be selling high on Diggs. This is the best we're going to see from him. That offense is going to remain very, very run heavy. This was just the ultimate week for them to become pass reliant given the, the setup of that Philly defense. Awful secondary, incredible front seven uh, that leads to just a pass heavy script. We're not going to see that most weeks. So yes, I would be selling as high as I could on Diggs. The only you know saving grace to him would be if he got traded to a more pass-happy team. But you can't bank on his value being a trade. I don't own DJ, says Robert Moreno, and I'm tempted to grab Edmonds. Just like I said with Madison, you don't have to own these guys to stash them on your bench. Oftentimes, those league-winning waiver-wire pickups aren't guys that were immediately usable, but stashes that people did, and the, the number one guy goes down ahead of them. And when it's a guy like Chase Edmonds who would be walking into a very elite role, you have to judge and assess roles so much as talent in these handcuff situations. That Arizona Air Raid role is incredible. So yes, I think you absolutely should go and get Edmonds if you have some trash to cut from your bench. If you have the roster space, I would definitely, yeah. So as again, I love it. You guys are interacting, commenting, giving each other advice. Patrick suggesting at worst, you could try to trade him to the DJ owner for decent values, but Edmonds is a very solid stash. And I totally agree, Patrick James. Uh, great advice there there coming from the wolf pack Alrighty, folks well that's it all we got lined up for our menu today again just want to quickly plug the app if you don't have it yet it's fantastic it's going to be tons more news than what i covered here uh, including some of these notes but a lot more you can also bend uh bend bookmark rotostreetjournal.com slash stock watch find me personally at rotostreetwolf i just released my latest big board rest of season big board reflecting all this news and so much more so Check it all out. Let me know your thoughts. I'll be back tomorrow for our live ranking show Tuesday right around 5.30 p.m. where I go through my rankings and, and answer all your early week sit start questions. But guys, thanks so much for the interaction, the comments, for coming every single Monday. You guys are the best. I am the Wolf of Roto Street, rotostreetjournal.com, where we breed and feed fantasy wolves. And hopefully you guys have been wolves all year. We're going to get you those titles. Until next time, folks, the Wolf is out. 
We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. We stole the show. We stole the show. Straight ahead. Devlin. Second down. Third effort. Touchdown. Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks. 